Hey everyone, what is going on? And welcome to Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. This is a podcast that we are starting all about the Pursuit Spirits brand from Pursuit Series to Pursuit United and any of the spirits that might happen in between. I am your host, Brian Bikey, and joining me on the first episode that we have are the founders of the company. We have uh, Ryan Cecil joining us and Kenny Coleman as well. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad we actually made it for the first episode. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's been weird uh, if it wasn't. Yeah, it'd been, yeah, been awkward, you know, have our wives or something on first time. <laughs> they could really tell what, what happened to this brand. That's right. Let me tell you a thing or two. That's right. Yeah, they've they've seen they've heard everything that's kind of gone wrong in the past few years and has to they have to deal with all of our all of our complaining after after the show and everything like that. So it, it, I think one day we might have to have them on here just to be able to tell their side of the story. I think what allows like some uniqueness to this. Uh, and again, what we're expecting here is that perhaps we have an audience that that isn't familiar with the entire back catalog of the Bourbon Pursuit podcast. And, and maybe not even the Bourbon Pursuit brand, and they're and they've come to know you guys. They've come to know Pursuit Spirits as a brand, as as a bourbon, as a, as a whiskey you can pick up off the shelf. And so, what we're going to do is talk a little bit about a story um, of the team, and we're going to talk about some stories of the transition into the business side of things, and hopefully peel back a little bit of the curtain with some of those business things. And we have this unique perspective here, right, where you have two guys. I'm not going to tell the story for you. We'll get into it in a minute. But we've got two guys who were bourbon enthusiasts, right? And and started digging into this rabbit hole the same way a lot of people do. But the difference comes from when you all start your own brand, to which here we are today with Pursuit Spirits. So, so let's pick up there, right? Let's start at the basics. I know a lot of folks, like I already said, are familiar with you all from Bourbon Pursuit. And you've probably told this story there before. But for the sake of touching on it again. And either of you all can jump in first. Let's give the Cliff Notes version of what brought you into bourbon and then specifically where it finds you all here today. If you want the Cliff Notes version, you better let me say. <laughs> I, tend, <laughs> I tend to go into too much detail, for sure. Yeah, so the the quick version is, uh, yeah, so Kenny and I started, a, you know, we were friends, bourbon uh, enthusiasts, as you say, and then uh, I... I I was a big listener of podcasts because of my other businesses. I was in my vehicle a lot. There wasn't really anything in the bourbon uh, scene as far as podcasts. So, you know, I was kind of looking at maybe starting a podcast about lawn care, was kind of researching different ideas. Didn't think lawn care was that. It was interesting to me, but maybe not to a lot of people. So my brother-in-law actually gave me the idea to do a podcast on bourbon. And I was like, that's a great idea. I grew up in Bardstown. I'm around a lot of these people. I know them. They have great stories. I think it'd be cool to share that with the, you know, the country, the world, or enthusiasts that are like us. But I didn't know how to execute it. So uh, Kenny and I had become friends through our wives, and so I contacted, reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, man, I'm. I think this is a good idea. What do you think?" And you know, he's kind of a little hesitant at first, but uh, did some con convincing, and you know, he kind of, you know, was like, "Well, how's this going to work?" You know, he. I'm an idea guy and he immediately draws into like the technical side of things like, all right, how's this going to work? Who are we interviewing? What's our angle? You know, let's, how are we going to execute this? And that, and that's what I needed is like, uh, someone, Kenny, he comes from a tech background, did a lot of public speaking. And so 
that's kind of where we got started. We went into my basement one day and recorded episode one. It was terrible. I think we recorded it like several times. It was. It, it was pretty bad. Yeah. And so we just kind of, you know, it's a story of any entrepreneur. We've failed our way forward into the, the podcasting sphere to, you know, see, I'm, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but yeah, that's kind of how we got to the podcast. Yeah, that was that was definitely the shorter version than what, what I would typically do, but it was definitely Ryan's brainchild of how this all started. And we went through a lot of generations of who's editing, who's not editing, and the team has definitely transformed over the past few years. Now we have Fred Minnick as well as a part of the podcast. We have my wife that's joined as somebody that does a lot of the editing and some of the creative assets as well. Uh, we have somebody that also runs our barrel club. We've got somebody who does sales for us. So we've been able to grow it quite well over the past six years and just excited. It was really funny, you know, even getting into starting this brand. It was never really an idea that, oh, yeah, the next logical step is to go and start your own bourbon brand. It, it actually all happened by accident, but it's a it was a happy accident on how that all happened, too. That actually leads us into where I was going to go next with, which was what was the main drive for you all to start your own brand. So as we see Pursuit Series, right, being the first, you know, bottling to come out under this Cecil Coleman name, right? Yeah. So this is, again, it was all accident. This is, it would have been a lot easier to kind of say we had planned this off in the beginning because after you go and you listen to podcasts, you see people that do consulting, they do shows, they do traveling shows, they do all kinds of things. They write books, they do seminars. And it would have seemed logical to say, oh, we'll just come out with our own bourbon. But that's not actually how it transpired. Uh, we do every month as part of the uh, part of the podcast, we do what's called a community roundtable where we get Blake from Bourboner, Brian from Sippin' Corn, the guys from Breaking Bourbon, and Fred Minnick. And we all come together and we talk about a potpourri of bourbon culture, like what's happening, what's sort of the, the hot news or the hot takes that we should really kind of get out there that people want to hear about. And on that show, we talked about a brand called Doc 52s. It was this liquor store out of Memphis that was starting their own private label bourbon. And we had talked and said, this is this is cool, but this isn't groundbreaking. This isn't unique because back in the day, uh, pharmacies, grocery stores, they used to have their own private label whiskeys too. In fact, that's how most bars used to have their own whiskey because they'd buy it by the barrel and that's how they would serve it. However, we uh, so we just said, you know, this is, this is just a, a new riff on, on an old idea. And so about two and a half weeks later, I get this phone call from a guy who goes, hey, I listened to your podcast and I helped build that brand, would you be interested in starting your own? Well, that's kind of what you would say is, tell me more. <laughs> and uh, you come to find out he's a barrel broker in Memphis, Tennessee, depending on the day, he had two to 5,000 barrels in inventory. And he gave us a deal that you do not get in the sourced whiskey world, which was the ability to go and hand select every single barrel you want. Because Brian, the one thing that people may not realize is that if you want to go start your own brand and you want to start bikey bourbon, well, you say, I need, well, I need at least 50 barrels. Okay. Well, I need to go and figure out what state do they come from? What, uh, what, what age level do I want? And you go to these bourbon brokers. There's a whole behind the scenes thing in the bourbon world. People probably don't know about, but there are bourbon brokers out there and barrel brokers. And they say, all right, I've got this 
Indiana, 36%, five-year-old for X dollars, or I've got Kentucky at this year for Y dollars. And they say, all right, this barrel's, we'll just say for uh, rounding sake, we'll say $3,000 per barrel. Take that times 50 barrels. You do the math, $180,000 later, 50 barrels show up. Well, 50 barrels show up. You don't know what's in those barrels. You don't know. You, you get a sample from the lot. You get to kind of see what one of them tastes like, but you don't know what all of them taste like. So you could have some that taste great, some that don't taste as great. You could have some that get 200 bottles out of the barrel. You have some that might get 80 bottles out of the barrel, but you're still paying that same exact number for that barrel. So it's super risky to actually get into this uh, this particular field. However, he gave us the pretty rare opportunity to go and hand select every single barrel that we wanted. And that was the genesis uh, for what became Pursuit Series was he provided us uh, a few different barrel samples that would have, uh, he actually came down to Louisville, provided us a few different barrel samples. And here's the thing is that it all started because he said, well, you know, most of the stuff that I have is, I've got some Kentucky stuff, I've got some Indiana stuff, but all that's kind of like new fill. It's really young. And we said, okay, well, what do you have? And he goes, well, I got a bunch of aged Tennessee bourbon. And a couple of boys from Kentucky were like, nah, nah, we're good. We're good. We, we, we don't even need to go down this path. But he said, listen, I'll, I'll bring some barrel samples up. If you like them, you can try them and we can continue this conversation. If not, then, you know, we can just go our separate ways. So he brings us the barrel samples. We actually meet at a place here in Louisville. Uh, it was a speakeasy downtown. Go get some cocktails and stuff like that. And yes, the very next day, Ryan comes over. We grab the barrel, grab the barrel samples, and this was also the year that Henry McKenna blew up. It won best whiskey of the world and all this other kind of stuff. And I grabbed a bottle of Henry McKenna, and I said, "If one of these barrel samples beats Henry McKenna, we're going to do this." And so we set up some tastings, and we started trying and tasting through them all. And one of them was just head over heels better. We loved the barrel. Give the guy a call, and we said, "We're in." And this barrel, I forget what barrel number it was. I said, save that one. And that's what actually became episode 01 of Pursuit Series. So that is actually how that sort of single barrel offering came to life. How long ago was that from from this day, from this recording right here? So we selected our first barrels. Gosh, it had to have been about mid-2018. Because Brian, I think the other thing that most people don't know is that anything you want to do in this industry takes at least six months no matter what. And so I, I believe we might have selected sometime in the middle of summer of 2018, but we didn't actually do our first release until December of 2018. So it, it took quite a while to get out the door because selecting the barrels are one thing, then it's label creation, TTB, selecting glass, uh, securing all the dry goods such as corks and everything like that too. There's There's a lot of things that go behind the scenes that most people probably aren't aware of just to kind of have a finished product too. And so going through and, you know, hand selecting those barrels, that's what we have in the episodes that we see, correct? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's one of the things I, I feel that we put a very, that's kind of where we started, right? That was, that was what Ryan and I had our bread and butter. You know, we started this barrel program and we ended up going and doing 30 some odd barrel selections per year. And we felt very confident in all the barrels that we selected. We, we thought, hell, we could pick, we could pick some damn good bourbon. 
And so that is really what we thought was going to be our, our kind of staple. It was, that was how we're going to build our brand is, is being able to white label and source some of these things and do them as single barrels. And we had a lot of fun doing it. Brian, I think that's probably some of our best memories was actually going down oh, there. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. The, when we were first starting this, I mean, I remember just every time we'd go to Memphis, just being like, it was like a vac- mini vacation, you know, like you're telling me we get to go t- taste through 60 barrels and then play some, uh, you know, can jam in between and, you know, <laughs> and, and eat ribs and it's and eat ribs, cozy's ribs. And yeah, I mean, we, you know, and, and not that we're special or we have great palates, but it, I mean, if you, you go on a barrel pick, you know, you get three or four barrels, you know, and usually you can pick a good one. Now, if you get to try 60, you can be really nitpicky. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what we thought we had an advantage. And, you know, doing the episodes, you know, I thought we thought was like a unique way to kind of, because each barrel is different, you know, each has different flavors, different components. We're like, why don't we call them episodes? And then, you know, we'll do some show notes to talk about like what we think's going on in them and whatnot. And we thought it was like a creative way to like kind of tie it back into the podcast, even though this is separate from the podcast, obviously it doesn't exist without it. And so we thought it would be a, a good play on, on both of those. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how the whole episode and, and yeah, like Kenny said, we were totally content doing single barrels. It was fun. It was, you know, not, I don't want to say easy, but cause it was not th- easy. Th- they're not easy. <laughs> no, they're, absolutely not. But things were a lot more simpler, I guess, then, um, cause we're only, you know, trying to do like, you know, we, we thought, gosh, if we could just do like 24 barrels a year, you know, that's gosh, that's a lot, you know, we'll be content and we'll be golden. You know, this would be a cool, like side hustle and whatnot, but you know, the, the first releases were very popular and then the subsequent ones were even more popular and they just kept going and selling out. And we had some really unique barrels, um, had one from a Bardstown distillery that Guess most people know that, a little bit. <laughs> that put us on the map and sold out in like, I don't know, three minutes or less than that. Um, and so we just started to build traction on the single barrel thing. And then it's like, all right, how do we, you know, they're, they're a huge pain in the ass, these single barrels with labels and filing and all that. It's like, you know, this is, ex- and it's uh, being in the sourced market. Like there is hardly any dry, I mean, hardly any aged inventory out there that you can really continue to do this at scale. And so, uh, we were kind of hitting a roadblock. I don't know, gosh, like late 2019, early 2020, I would say like we're, you know, the inventory started to dry up. This is kind of becoming a pain, you know, with all these single barrels, where do we take this next? Well, it's not just the inventory dried up. I mean, Ryan, do you remember? Here's the thing. I think it's maybe it makes people a little jealous is that we would go and we would select barrels and they would have 14 year plus barrels available. And we would start, we would eliminate a lot of these barrels. We selected, I think it was roughly 10 to 12% of all barrels we select or we tasted through is all we, we kept. And now looking back, we can't even get our hands on those 14-year-old stocks. Or uh, much less nine-year. Much less nine-year. It was, they were so delicious. And we can't even – people didn't want them back then, but now we can't even get them. It's a, it's a shame. So w- one thing – and we don't have to hit on this for too much because, again, you know, we're, we're deciphering with um, 
Pursuit Spirits and then also Bourbon Pursuit. But, you know, with Bourbon Pursuit also, you'll do barrel picks for Bourbon Pursuit that, that are not white labeled, right? And so I'm, I'm kind of curious, what's, and I know you talked about how exciting it was going down to Tennessee and, and getting to taste through these barrels, but as a, as a, as a bourbon hobbyist, as, as two guys into whiskey and, and starting to dabble in creating your own brand, what do you find the, the differences between those two experiences doing, doing picks at other distilleries, things that you're not, that you're not going to white label, but you still get to, to be a part of versus going and picking these barrels for yourself? Yeah, I would say the fact is we get to own the experience. You know, when you go to uh, even a Four Roses or Knob Creek, or Elijah Craig or Heaven Hill, I mean, you name it, you get to go and you're only sampling a, a very select handful. And these select handfuls have been pre-chosen for you and, and, and whatnot. But you're also in this sort of rigid mentality of, okay, let's go through, taste these three, eliminate one, figure out, do we like this one? I think we like this one. All right, let's take it to a blind. Oh my God, I can't believe we, we picked the other one. I feel like we've done that playbook a few times and it's always fun. Don't be wrong. It's always a great time. But when we have the ability to sort of own the process and we're not in anybody else's time schedule, we get to sit there and really kind of, actually, I would say we don't necessarily go overboard and analyzing the whiskey in itself. Reiner are actually very quick to to judge something. When we go through 60 barrels, we I think we do what around 40 in one day is typically what we would do. So we're pretty quick judges. Like we're 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 snapping at it. We're going relatively quick, but we get to do it in our time. And we also get to the ability to say uh whether you try to veto something or I veto something, we can come back to it a little bit later. And there's been times when we've also put the hammer down and said like, I'm not putting my name on this. And it's happened both ways before too. Yeah. And don't, and don't get me wrong. We would love to sell those, <laughs> those knob creeks, those four roses and put our own label on them, but uh, they just don't let us, you know? So, right. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the hobby side with doing the single barrels and picking for our audience, you know, that's, that's a, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and I, I don't barrel picks never get old, but, you know, that from there, it kind of, you really just go pick the barrel and then three to six months later, it shows up at the whatever liquor store and you pay for it and you don't get to see like all the back end stuff. It So like what kind of, you know, is different is like, okay, we picked the barrel, but now we have to like go through all the back channels and like, okay, we're going to pick this one. This is what the label's going to say. This is what this state's going to go to or which retailer it's going to go to. It's, you know, there's this whole like business side that you know we were we kind of understood um you know just being in the podcast but we kind of got you know ex- kind of thrown into it into the fire with it with this robot fire for sure <laughs> yeah you know and it's a fascinating industry really there, there's like you know you talked about barrel brokers and but there's you know all the supply chain so you have to go through and all the approval it's a highly regulated industry there's just a lot of hoops and things to get through and it, it's frustrating at times, but it's also an interesting and fascinating industry as well that you don't get to deal with when you're doing single barrel picks through for your, you know, through other distilleries. Yeah. I, I will, I will echo what Ryan said there is that if, if we were given the opportunity to go and sell Buffalo Trace or Four Roses or Jim Beam or anybody else in our label, 
hell yeah, we'd take that opportunity. But the fact is, we, we don't. So we 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 definitely don't turn down the opportunity to go and select barrels and have them underneath their labels uh, as part of the club. But it's just one of those things that we we see and we see value in in both because we know that people love those brands. People are diehard Four Roses. They are diehard Eagle Rare fans. They are diehard. We do whatever. too. We yeah, love them. <laughs> for sure. And it's there's you always want to have a good plethora of whiskey on hand because you don't know what you're in the mood for. And so being able to go and, and select barrels from those other distilleries gives us the ability to kind of have a, a good library of things that people can go and select from. Because we do, we, we are limited in, in regards of what we can get our hands on, whether it's a source market, whether it's stuff we're owned, dist- that we're distilling on ourselves, or whether it's stuff that we partnered with, with other distilleries. And and so there's a, those, those are all formed via business relationships. So it's just the ability to kind of give anybody that's in our, our bourbon pursuit umbrella, if you will, kind of a taste of everything. And and I feel that we've done a good job of that over the years of, of exposing a lot of people to more things than just what you can just find on the shelf. As a bourbon connoisseur and building this brand, the the Bourbon Pursuit brand, and then, you know, as you all have gained momentum, what would you say, either of you, both of you, if they're different, what would you say is the biggest setback that you've had uh, as a hobbyist in starting your own brand? Well, you said the C word first. I don't like being called a connoisseur. <laughs> I think we we always want to think that we feel like we're always faking it. Did I say connoisseur? I meant to say consumer. A bourbon <laughs> consumer. I always feel like we're faking it. Yeah, but far as setbacks, I mean, I mean, where do you want us to begin? I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, I feel like we could do a whole episode. Um, you know, there's anything from just you know you file try to file with a state, you know, and it takes four months for them to even just like look at your paper and then another two months to <laughs> approve it, you know, or, you know, you get labels, um, that, you know, are you order, but then they come and they're wrong or this, you know, different capsules that are wrong colors that set you back, you know, you're, you're constantly at the mercy of like the supply chain. And, um, I don't know. And I think, you know, a lot of people, it's funny, Talk about how you, I think you're kind of asking like, how do you take it from a hobby to a, a business? And it's, you know, you know, a lot of people that they can't make that leap because they're kind of consumed with perfection of everything and, and also the fear of it. And we, we're, we're kind of in a unique situation that like we had an audience, we had a, you know, almost a brand with a podcast. And so when we launched a bourbon brand, we, it wasn't just like, Hey, we're, you know, I'm just using an example like, Hey, we're blue run, you know, or this or that we're, we're just getting into the whiskey game because we're investors or we're, we're hiring Jim Rutledge to do this or that, or we had kind of built an audience that trusted us and had faith in us. And so it made it a little easier for us to take that leap of faith to say, Hey, we do have an audience that's going to support us. We think, and they trust our judgment. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> we got, and, you know, so that's how, kind of how we took that leap from a hobby to a, to a brand, I guess. Yeah, and to kind of echo what Ryan's saying, there's there's no shortages of of anything that's been wrong or or has come up. I mean, any as Ryan always says if in business, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. But I feel like we've done a really good job of overcoming every challenge that's that's come our way. 
I don't think there's anything that we've we've yet to kind of back down from or just succumb to, whether it's pressure, whether it's money, whether it's quality of the product or anything like that. We've been able to overcome absolutely everything that's that's been thrown our way, whether it's you know not getting all of our materials on time. Hence, when United Batch Two was going to come out, it was supposed to go out in March of 2021. It didn't end up going out until June or July. These are just some things that we've had to deal with and had to overcome. And I think we've done a, a really good job of making sure that we are, are doing, A, we're, we're doing right by the brand because we're continually trying to not only you know, reinvest into the company, whether it's everything that, that comes into it, whether it's, you know, it's, it's passion, it's money, everything gets reinvested into it. Uh, but B, we are, we're not sacrificing either. Um, we're trying to put everything out there and we're very transparent. We're transparent with everything that comes our way. And that's one of the things that I, I do continually, probably to a fault through our Patreon program is it through for Bourbon Pursuit is giving updates weekly on what's happening, whether it's good or bad. And that just gives everybody an insight into what's happening with the brand. And that was kind of the idea of even starting this this podcast was to give a, a, you know people an idea of what what does it like to build a brand what's what are the actually what are the things that go wrong on a weekly basis that we could talk about and i tell you there's plenty oh yeah there's plenty but you know for us the focus was always like mainly because we're, well I, I can't speak for kenny but i'm insecure and so the the focus you know us being in the whiskey community having a presence there having our name on it we we always focused on how good the whiskey is in the bottle. And that I think has allowed us to overcome any setbacks thrown our way because the products have been good and have, you know, met expectations for, for most consumers are not going to make everyone happy, but um, that that's, I think helped us kind of push past like some initial hurdles that other brands might, you know, not survive. I'm only insecure when I, when I go to the gym because I can't bench that much. <laughs> Yeah, I can outbitch Kenny probably. So, no, I'm kidding. I would, uh, I would definitely agree that 46 episodes later, two runs of Pursuit United Bourbon and Rye on the Way, that you all are in the right direction. That you that you do have some know how of what of what you're doing there, and you kind of Ryan, you kind of answered my second question. I had second question I had kind of leading off of that first one about the setbacks would be what your biggest accomplishments or your leg up as a hobbyist is, and you kind of led into the community and, and the support that kind of comes from that. But uh, Ryan, what about, or uh, Kenny, what what about you? Would you would you agree there? Or would you have anything else that you might add as, you know, what are, what are your biggest accomplishments or what are the biggest leg ups that you will have, you know, as you're starting a brand coming from being a hobbyist? Yeah, I, I think this is an easy one. We're accomplishing something new every single day. and whether it's me kind of figuring out a new formula on the spreadsheet that makes everything being more sense. But I think that our, our biggest accomplishment is where we see the brand in a decade from now and how we are setting ourselves up for that. It's one thing to go, and I, I think that kind of just shows the involvement of, of how we've gone in 2018 to just selecting single barrels to the point now where we're laying down 1,300 new fill barrels per year I think that's a huge accomplishment is to kind of look at that and say, we have a vision of, of where this is going to go. And now it's time to start executing on it. So I feel that our biggest accomplishment is still yet to be seen. 
but I, I feel that I'm very confident in in what we've built and where we're going, just because I I believe the product is great. I believe the partners that we're investing in have great whiskey, and it's just something that we're gonna have to wait and see what the future brings because there's a there's a lot more milestones and a lot more uh, sort of achievements to to kind of see along the way here too. I think too. I want to add. I think. For me, one of the proudest accomplishments is we've kind of gone somewhat of a non-traditional route of the the sourcing game. You know, like, you know, we're two Kentucky boys and we started a brand with Tennessee whiskey and and then, you know, we were able, (laughs) it is, it's, it's, you know, my father's still not proud of me for that. No, I'm kidding. But, uh. And two with, you know, like our small batch products and stuff, like we didn't just go, you know, and MGP's great whiskey, Barton's great whiskey, all, you know, that's great stuff. But we we really thought long and hard about it. Like, how can we make ourselves in the sourcing game be unique and have a long-term strategy to where we're in control of it and we're not doing the same thing that everyone else is doing? Not that what they're doing is wrong or anything. There's tons of great whiskey out there, but it, it is I am proud of kind of, and we'll see what happens, you know, in 10 to 12 years. Hopefully it goes well. If not, uh, I don't know what'll happen to me. <laughs> a lot of barrels on our hands to get rid of. Yeah. But to, to, to see where, you know, the vision and the execution side come together, that that's exciting um, as, you know, entrepreneurs and whatnot, because you have these dreams, you know, and you think about it and it consumes you, you know, daily and nightly and, and just to see it all like manifest itself is uh, really rewarding. Um, so we hope, hopefully, it just continues as the spreadsheet says directionally, you know, directionally forward or directionally correct. Yeah, we've been we've been grinding since 2018, and the the grind hasn't stopped. And I think it'll continue to grind for a long time. But I think that's as Ryan said, that's the most rewarding thing is when you start seeing the outcome. And you know, one other thing, I, I think it would be really remiss is to not thank all of everybody that's purchased a bottle, everybody that's posted something, everybody that's put a good review, everybody that said one good thing on Instagram or Facebook or anything about the products. I think that speaks volumes from from yourselves to it really makes us feel good and knowing that we're doing the right thing and we're providing something that you didn't have before and it's a unique experience and that's really what we want to continue to do is is keep doing that as well. Yeah, and just to piggyback off of that is another proud accomplishment, which I had very little to do, but Kenny had a lot, is building our Patreon community. Like, I mean, that community has created a life of itself outside of us, and there's been friendships and bonds and fundraisers and charities, and there's so many good people in our Patreon community, and they have supported us, you know, so much, and, like, we wouldn't be here without them, and, you know, Kenny and you know, Lauren have done such a great job of fostering that and keeping that, you know, community. And, uh, I I try to dabble as when I can, our community is one of the best out there. I I, I just can't be thankful enough for them. I'm going to close this episode with, with, with this final question. That's a a slight pivot from what we're talking about, but it kind of goes back to the title of this episode as we're, you know, as we're talking about, as we unpack the brand, and then where you all have come from, you know, as a hobby, has your enjoyment of bourbon changed? God, no. I, I think it's gotten <laughs> worse. You know, it's it's funny because 
gosh, I, you know, I got into bourbon, like the bug bit me bad in 2014, late 2013, getting in 20, actually it was about mid 2013 is when the bug bit me and I started going ham, buying stuff and learning as much as I could. And the, that time I was making a lot of friends in the bourbon world as well through Facebook groups, through local communities and stuff like that. And the friends that I had back then have sort of fizzled out of bourbon. And it, it might be a combination of two things. One, we were all buying so much that they've realized I don't need to buy anymore. I think we're set mm-hmm. for a little bit. But the other thing is, of course, bourbon's gotten wildly popular. It's hard for anybody to get their hands on anything. And so you kind of just start fizzling out of trying to either trying other stuff or you just kind of quit caring about it. However, with us, the passion I feel is still very much there. We're continually trying to find new topics and interesting things to bring to the podcast, to bring to the masses. And now that we see that even more people are getting into it, now we're just beginning this journey where we're going to start seeing even more people start coming into the hobby. And I think we're positioned really well. I think everything timed out relatively well as two. I mean, it was... I think the only thing that I would regret is not going back five years and buying more Dusties because they were a lot cheaper yeah. back then. <laughs> yeah, I could totally second that. I mean, the, the only thing, I mean, one thing that has changed for me is my outlook on, and my appreciation probably of limited releases. I'm more interested in like new brands and new, and brands that just kind of have surprised you that's mass market appeal and like this. And I'm like curious, like why, you know, to that that's fascinating to me, and then the newer brands, and the, that that's kind of where I, I, I don't know. I, I, the limited releases are good, but to me, it's fascinating to start you know a new product, new brand, or to like have a mass market you know brand that's appreciated by you know so many people. Well, anything else closing, gents? That's really all that I had on this topic for tonight. No, I, I'm really excited to kind of continue this journey and be able to share a lot of the experiences that Ron and I go through on a daily and weekly basis of, of building this brand. And we'll be able to kind of give you a, an inside scoop on what it's like for sourcing products, what it's like dealing with distributors, and what it's like to have your first bottle come in the mail and it doesn't taste what you thought it was going to be like. I mean, we've got a lot of good stories to be able to share on on how this brand was built and where we're going here for the next decade. And no, stick with us. There's a lot of good things to come. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about all the wins, but I am very excited to hear about all the disasters. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna. A, I think it's gonna be good. There's about a, it's ten to one ratio, ten disasters for one win. <laughs> I like it, guys. We're excited to keep bringing the podcast, and we have a lot of episodes queued up that we'll be getting into. But I want to leave questions and topic ideas open for you all as well. If you want to reach out to podcast at pursuitspirits.com. We might get into some of those show topics or read some of those questions on the podcast and dive into some of the answers to them. Until next time, everyone, so long from Behind the Pursuit.